Prepare yourself for Dork Day Afternoon, a brand new actual play podcast. You performers! Oh, that's fun. The brainchild of two brothers, spawned from their desire to crush the fictional hopes and dreams of their friends and loved ones. You remember what I said about being a a monster of a GM? Someone has to be a monster, and the GM's the one who probably should be. Two shows every week. On Mondays, coming to you from the end of the world, two past midnight, a Twilight 2000 4th edition campaign. As if being in prison was a stress enough. War is hell, gentlemen. And on Thursdays, the circus comes to town with Encore of the Lost, a playthrough of the Extinction Curse AP, written for Pathfinder 2nd edition. Failure to know! What is it, pumpkin? I'm looking at pumpkins. Roll for initiative. Natural 20 for a total of 24. 25. F*** you. (laughs) (laughs) Dork Day Afternoon. Listen, your life might just depend on it. Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Adam Rose. He is here to promote his new miniseries, um, Corollary, from Source Point Press. Issue 1 is out in stores right now. Issue 2 comes out on May 18th. Adam, I have two questions for you. First off, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm happy to be here. Mahalo, right? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Second, did I pronounce the title of your comic book? You nailed it. And I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I realize it is a pretty, it's a mouthful. It mm-hmm. is a mouthful. But, I'm, um, and I think later on in the, in the questions, I'm going to um, ask you if there's a certain meaning to the title. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to give listeners a little bit of background in your history. Please feel free to add anything or correct me. So now I, I know, I think one of your comics that you wrote actually was a graphic novel, Playground, Attacks of the Gurglebots, that came out in 2018. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, that's uh, where I really cut my teeth. It's a, that one's a middle grade comic, <laughs> uh, graphic novel. Um, it's all, you know, it was out through Marcosia Entertainment, their publisher out of, uh, uh, out of England. And it was, it, it, the premise was pretty basic as far as, you know, this kid named Felix Tremendez, um, mm-hmm. he suddenly gets the powers of the playground. So if he's playing freeze tag, he can really freeze you. If he played Simon Says, he could compel you to do what, what he wanted you to do. And he had to face off against Principal Strict who could manipulate candy, give you ice cream headaches, and too much candy stomach aches. That sounds awesome. It <laughs> does. It really does. That's, that sounds awesome. And then for listeners, um, if you have children or if you, like, you, know, you have your own kids or nieces and nephews, um, the, the graphic novel is available on Amazon right now. Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, straight from Marcosia on their site. But yeah, it is, it's, it's out there. It's still in print and, you know, it's continuing to sell, uh, you know, at a smaller scale at this point, but it's definitely, yeah, it's, it was, I did that with Charles Tofield, great artist. I just want to shout out to him. He's based out of uh, the Baltimore area and yeah, it was a fun process and uh, yeah, I'm happy with how it came out. I'd love to kind of revisit the characters someday, but um, yeah, that, that was, that was a fun time. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, um, I looked, um, 
I was trying. I was trying to look up some of your um, other his, um, your um, other works that you've done. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I I saw that you wrote some novels. Is there is that true? And yeah, um, I've written um, well, I've written three novels, but two of them I think were just me learning how to write a novel. And the latest one, I'm just about to start um, submitting to publishers and and hoping for the best. And that, but I've also written like numerous short stories. I yes. love the form of short stories. I've had a fair amount of those published in different like literary journals and magazines mm-hmm. um, from like little simple stories about a kid, you know, in his, in his local neighborhood to like more dramatic situations about um, somebody who like who's loses their mother and they're, they're with their single dad and trying to figure out who, who they are and, and uh, what their identity is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, I always been writing in different forms, but I think comic book writing is probably like my number one love at the moment. But um, I, you know, I also I've, I've I mean I've been living in Los Angeles for twenty years, so I've been yes, writing. Yes. I started out writing like sketches, like um, improv based, like Groundlings kind of stuff. Because when I first came here, I, that was like my number one pursuit. I was taking constant like sketch writing classes and mm-hmm. improv classes and um loved like trying to come up with little five minute bits and then i I just continued to write and realized i also wanted you know i've been a voracious reader and writer since i was a kid so Mm -hmm. um i've also i've been i've written a couple screenplays i wrote one screenplay Mm -hmm. based on my one of my novels that's uh that's about my based on my real life where i had all of my comic book collection stolen from my home the day of my 40th birthday. Oh my God. Oh God. I'm, so, I'm yeah. not being sarcastic. Or, I'm just sorry to hear about that. No, I no. I mean, it's, it hurts. It hurts. Cause I was collecting since I was eight. Yeah. So that was about 5,000, 6,000 comics. And I can imagine the key issues you must have had. Oh yeah. <sighs> <laughs> But mm-hmm. I still love them. I still yes. go every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I still I can't stop writing them. I mean, I just I I I was I was actually for a short time I've been a professor at a at a, a college yeah. out here for video game designers where they it was a graphic novel course. Yeah. And just getting like those are amazing art. It's called Noman School of Design, and mm-hmm. uh, they are like incredible artists already. So getting them to like come up with their own little uh short comics was just amazing to see happen and so yeah it's been my in my life like just in my veins since mm-hmm. i since i could walk as yes mm-hmm. medium oh okay um now adam before we continue on um i want to give a big shout out to rylan grant for recommending for recommending comics for fun and profit to you you know, so Ryan, I want to say thank you very much for, you know, recommending Adam to, you know, email me to come on the show. So, you know, thank you very much. Um, and then, and then um, also too, um, Adam, you're, oh, did you go, did you go on the um, Ryan show already? The writer's block? I did, yeah, I got to go. I, had, I was on the writer's block this past Friday mm-hmm. uh, with him and David and they just uh, released it a couple days ago. It was, it was a blast. I learned a lot talking to those two. Oh, okay. All right. And then for listeners, you know, um, please check out um, Rylan and David um, Avalone's um, 
podcast, the, the writer's block. Now, there's no um, apostrophe after writers, but, but yeah, please check out Adam's interview during that show. Um, let's see. Also, too, I want to let the listeners know that I did get some information from um, Adam's information from the audio podcast, Talking Smack. And Smack is the acronym of Superheroes, Movies, Animation, Comics. That was episode 37 that just came out recently on March 12th. Also, I also um, watched the YouTube podcast that you're on with Bearded Comic Bro. Oh. That came out. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. You've yeah. done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> so that one came out on um, February um, 7th. And then also, too, um, I also, um, also too, in uh, a printed interview um, I'm going to try to pronounce this one. Um, on Onishi Press? Is that oh, it? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I know it was, that was dated back in July 15th, and it was called, the article was called An Interview with Comic Writer Adam Rose. Yes. So I got some information from there. Okay. So, Adam, where can listeners follow you on social media? Great question. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Rose, like the flower, 74 mm-hmm. is my Twitter handle. Um, and then uh, Instagram, Shazam Cap. So okay. <laughs> I, I managed to get that before the Shazam movie came out. So Shazam and then CAP. I just kind of blended Shazam and Captain America, I guess. Or maybe, I guess you could argue Captain Marvel, too. But yeah, Shazam, at Shazam Cap. Ah, that's pretty cool. And like you said, at least you got in before the movie came out. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Adam, I'm going to ask you, um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, started in a small town called Grafton, a very small kind of just country town. And then moved a little closer to Boston. Um, and, yeah, I spent all of my childhood there. Then I ended up in college in Ohio, mm-hmm. a small undergrad school there. And then I, I lived in New York City after that for a while. And then I came out here. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Um, now, when I did, um, actually, um, sorry, I'm just trying to look through my questions right now. So, um, let's see, what was your first comics that you read? Your first comic or Sunday comic strips or whatever? What was the first one Do you remember reading? Well, I mean, I guess I have two answers. I mean, because you just brought up Sunday comic strips and gosh, I wish, you know, kids are missing so much with not having that joy on a Sunday and seeing the giant colorful Sunday funnies. I mean, I guess it's there now, but I don't think, you know, for me, it was like a religious experience to get mm-hmm. to see that. That was my church. Yeah. But um, I, uh, for, for comics, like for like Sunday comics, like Farside, oh, God, yes. um, uh, Garfield, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, Foxtrot, Bloom County, um baby blues better for better or worse which oh yes when you think about how that's kind of a genius comic strip because they actually aged over the years like they you know the kids got older and so that's kind of an amazing comic that it even existed and then then of course calvin and Hobbes. yes oh yes of course yeah um and then uh, as far as my first comic book i think my grandfather um my mom's dad or maybe it was, well, actually, both sets of grandparents seemed to just have a, a knack for it, and they got me comics. And I remember one of the very first one was a Teen Titans comic. Oh, nice. um, and another one, randomly, was Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
and I think maybe I was watching Doctor Who at the time too, but I don't, you know, that, those were like two that I remember very distinctly. And, um, and then it just took, I mean, I, I, I couldn't put them down and I was just consuming comics as much as I could. And, you know, going to my local comic store with my dad or my mom <laughs> and um, eventually getting a pull list. And, nice. you know, it, it's just, it's been with me since I was like eight. Mm-hmm. I, I went to like a local con. Yes. Dating me a little bit with my brother and sister, uh, like a really small con in like Worcester, Massachusetts. And it was before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were known to anyone. They were just an indie black mm-hmm. and white comic. And Eastman was at a table and he had these little pewter, like handmade turtles. And my sister got them. <sighs> And they were signed on the bottom. She says she doesn't know where they are, but she doesn't think they're permanently lost. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Wow. That is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. All right. Um, I know you mentioned a comic, you, you mentioned your comic shop. What was, so what was that name of your first comic shop that you started going and having a pull list? Uh, Newberry Comics, mm-hmm. which it's a small chain in New England. Well, I shouldn't even say small, actually. I think at this point, there's like they have like 15 stores in New England. Oh, okay. Um, and I went to one in a smaller town, like they had a bigger one in Boston, but yeah, that's where I started. I mean, nowadays, like they seem to have switched gears, like they're like they have their comic section, but they're like a lot, they're not like a pure comic book store yeah. anymore. They're more like they have vinyl and they have like cool clothes and. You know, mm-hmm. I guess that's good because it's trying to get young people to come in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where I started. And back then they had like tons of long boxes of back issues and all that stuff. But now it's, you know, they have their the new ones. They have like a little like area of graphic novels. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, where, that's where I went. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, so um, how did your journey start working, um, writing you know, novels, short stories, screenplays, and eventually comes. How did that, how did that begin? Well, I mean, I guess I was always such a voracious reader and I I found a love for writing in high school, Mm -hmm. creative writing, when I just had a couple of teachers that were really like introduced me to just, it kind of gave me permission to just trust my imagination. And then Mm -hmm. um, I found how much I loved it and I loved the control I had. And then in college I did a, a lot of like writing of short stories and poetry and um took a lot of like literature courses there mm-hmm. um and then yeah like when I I realized because I was pursuing like both writing and that a long time ago acting pursuits mm-hmm. in uh LA last yeah. and I realized early on I was like I have the most control when I'm creating something if I'm not mm-hmm. waiting around for someone else to create something for me Mm-hmm. And that I just started writing religiously, um, both like script form and mm-hmm. prose. Um, and I haven't stopped. Like I, it's, I get the most joy out of writing. Like I don't, mm-hmm. and something I've learned along the way is you got to write for, you got to write the stories you'd want to read. Yes. Um, you can't try to write for someone else. I mean, I guess some people do and they make a lot of money and they're very successful yeah. at it. So I'm not poo-pooing that. I yeah. guess I just think the, where I feel the most um, free is when I'm just like, what's the story I want to read? Yes. Yeah. No, that, 
that yeah no that i under i understand that yeah so yeah and then i'm going to say that is a perfect segue going into um <clears throat> that's the perfect segue to go into your your mini series um so i'm going to give a little bit of history to the listeners now um corollary now correct me if i'm wrong it's it first appeared as a short story in the the origins anthology kickstarter back in 2020 is that correct yeah it from uh from <laughs> onishi press it, it started that way rob and i the artist rob Ahmad, um we got together on this and i had the whole story mapped out but i also had heard about um doing it for well, actually originally i was like like kind of thinking about making a five-page mini story um for future shocks like england's uh, 2000 ad mm, that yes. judge Dredd, they have like a future shots which are all these little mini stories and then i you know i i, I got in contact with onishi out here in in the united states and they were putting that anthology together and I, and they, they liked it a lot. So they took that little mini version of it. And then, you know, Rob kind of, when we realized we really wanted to make it a series, Rob wanted, he went back to like panel one, page one and rewrote, redid the character design to like, they became more uh, like, as you so well put, like Saturday morning cartoonish mm -hmm. yes. kind of vibe. And that, so that, yeah, from what that, in that anthology that that version of the characters is a little different a little more sketchy and cerebral looking mm -hmm. than what is in the series oh okay all right now for the listeners you know can you tell that you know can you actually tell us what is the story about yeah so it's in a galaxy of twins where just about every being mm -hmm. has a twin mm -hmm. if your twin dies so do you okay However, for some reason, this one particular person has survived the twin death. Mm -hmm. The galaxy wants to know why, mm -hmm. because, you know, this, it's like it's created such a huge sandbox concept because here, you know, there might be beings that, you know, don't trust their, their twin to play it safe and could get killed. And so maybe some people, some people might keep their, their twin like locked up in a padded room to make sure that they stay alive. Mm -hmm. Others might, um, you know, maybe someone's feeling like, you know, that, that they want to just always be attached to the hip and they do everything together. Mm -hmm. Others might be galaxies apart from each other and they just are playing, rolling the dice that everything's going okay. Cause they're mm -hmm. still here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, how did you come up with a story? Because I, I know there's an interesting, there's an, I, so yeah, how did you come up with the story? Well, yeah, my, I was putting my daughter to bed. She was about four or five at the time. And some friends of ours, we knew were having twins. Mm -hmm. And she, as I like kind of tucked her in, put a little blankie next to her. She's like, dad, you know, if, if a twin gets tickled, will the other one laugh? Mm-hmm. And I uh, said, oh, that's a great question. And then I left the room and I went to a totally dark direction of if your twin dies, so do you. Yeah. And it took off from there. And then, you know, just when I saw who, who my main character was, like Andromeda, mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew who she was right away. And I knew that it was going to be, you know, that's like the premise, but it's really about her. Mm -hmm. It's about her, her kind of figuring out her identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it, you know, who is she without her sister? Who is she 
what is she, how, do, how can she reclaim a sense of family and identity? Because it's also, uh, you'll quickly learn about like what she's, her reaching out to her other, other family members. And at the same time, mm-hmm. um, she has kind of a Han Solo vibe where you're like, well, she seems out for herself, but you realize there's more to her than that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in a previous interview, I know you mentioned that you watched Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. And we're talking the original, the 1978 Battlestar Galactica. From right, we're not talking the uh, the recent. I love the new one too, but yeah, both. Yes. Yeah, and then also too the Buck Rogers TV series. While oh you're yes. Up. Now, how much influence did these space adventures have on the story? I would say quite a lot. Maybe more with Buck Rogers mm-hmm. than than the original Battlestar, but that's there too. Because um, you know Buck, he you know there were all kinds of beings that he encountered mm-hmm. and it just, those shows just, you know, watching those growing up, like it, they just give you permission to realize in a, in a galaxy, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, we all just celebrated uh, May the 4th. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So, you know, Star Wars. I, I heard an original review from 1978 or whatever on uh, they like replayed this like, review of Star Wars and they kind of just summed up like how, it's like brought back the the science fiction like of like and they were comparing it at the time to things like Wizard of Oz and mm-hmm. Alice yes. in Wonderland and just it was you know it was great to hear like just just how big you can make a world but at the heart of it you need characters you care about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. And then now that's a great segue to the next question. Now, I know you already mentioned Andromeda. Um, you know, who are your other, do, are there any other main characters in this miniseries? Absolutely. Um, and without revealing too much, mm-hmm. um, you'll, you're going to, I guess, yes, the first issue, you really just see mostly her. Yes. Um, but you will be seeing some other very significant role players in the second issue, like three of them in particular. Um, it's hard for me to say oh, yeah. much without revealing oh. too much, but yes. yes. You will. You're definitely going to see some other characters that stay with us for the for the whole series. Okay. Now, my next question is: um, Does the title um, "Corollary" does it have a certain meaning to it? Yeah, I think. I mean, I thought of it because you know when it, the word "corollary" or things that are in correlation, it's like what is something when it's next to something else? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, what is something that connects to something else? And I just kind of, I named the planet that she's going to in the first issue corollary. And mm-hmm. it's also, it's a lot about her. Like, who is she without that other person? Like who is like, so it's about, I, so it's using that word, but all, you know, kind of also stretching the meaning of it to include how that would relate to someone and how they, identify okay all right um now this now i know you talked about this you know that there's a this galaxy there's twins you know um in in the first issue because i know i i believe i think i saw andromeda i think it was andromeda drinking like a, a beer bottle but it had but it was like two beer bottles connected right so now i'm joking on this part did you do any double mint gum references yeah. in the series? And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. No. 
That'll have to be for the next series. That's no, that's a great. Yeah. <laughs> Double your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then um and when you're developing the series, did you have like sort of a Bible like you know, and I'm, I don't mean like a strict guideline or anything, but just something on paper like a Bible for your characters, the ships when the ships travel. Because in issue one, and I'm not going to give away anything, but in issue one, I love how Andro how they have to like get to one part of the galaxy to another, and Andromeda does something very unique that I've that I've never seen. Because it's always like you know the Enterprise is always warp speed, the Falcon is warp speed, but that was pretty cool what Andromeda did, and it's and I would say it's more of a realistic thing. I think you know. So yeah, that was kind of what I was playing with. Yeah, though, you know, in the future, you'll see maybe there are some kind of um, cheat codes to get to different points in the galaxy more quickly. Yes. Um, something comes up uh, in issue two that is connected to that. Um, no, I did. Yeah, I have a Bible. Um, it, it, you know, as far as like fleshing out my main characters, like there's a kind of a core four or five characters that needed the most kind of who are they? And, you know, working back and forth with Rob, as far as like, yeah, I had it all written out, but then like him kind of sketching mm -hmm. them out, uh, that helped me kind of feed me even more as to what, how I wanted them to look and like the, just the different kind of characteristics and qualities that I want their personalities to show through how they kind of carry themselves. So that was a back and forth to some degree. And then just, you know, the breakdown of each issue and the world building Mm -hmm. was really important to me and i wanted i really you know i have you know you're going to meet characters in this that are like the equivalent to like marvel's celestials oh, and um uh the green lanterns um uh sentient planets oh yes mm -hmm. um moog Mu'ag? yeah yeah. Oh, yeah so there i just and lots of anthropomorphic um beings mm -hmm. um i i just i guess i'm you know totally i hope in a in a not like stealing way but i was heavily influenced by saga i was heavily influenced by guardians of the galaxy mm -hmm. and i just and mashing all of those influences up but also just like you brought up earlier like thundar the barbarian just a blending i think of fantasy and science fiction that I just, where I wanted to give myself permission to like, I, you know, in the first issue, there's a, you know, in the middle of space is a floating city on the back of these giant dinosaurs. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, I just, as I, I said to myself, I knew I wanted her to come to like a space station at first. I was like, well, why can't it be a city um, in a bubble on the back of a, you know, why not? Yes. Why can't it be? So, uh, you know, I just kept saying yes to myself mm -hmm. as long as, you know, the linear through line was intact. Mm -hmm. And then now, because I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit of ahead and I'll come back to some questions. So, um, w did you tell Rob about this, these, you know, these, these cities on dinosaur backs? Did you tell him the idea? Like what, how to make it look like, or did you just say, or, you know, who came up with the, like, the, 
the final design because that looks so cool. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, I had, you know, the way I script comics, I know everyone's different. I, um, when it comes to something like that, I give a pretty detailed panel description Uh um, of what I want. Yes. And, you know, I think Rob, he didn't blink. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we had a few back and forth, but that was like the beauty of working with him. Like he would send me some thumbnails Mm -hmm. and then I'd say, well, I need this to be even bigger. I need to see, I want to see more like of an indication of the city here or Mm -hmm. whatever. And then he'd go try something new. And then we'd turn it into like actual, like, you know, pencils and inks. And then sometimes even at that stage, I'd say, you know, maybe I want the scale of the city to be like even greater to yes. her ship and mm-hmm. so you know in the end i think it was very collaborative mm-hmm. but i but i guess to start with yeah no i give i hope i give very detailed maybe overly verbose descriptions of what i'm looking for mm-hmm. because i have to say when i saw that panel i was like oh man this is so awesome yeah no it's I, just, I love it and the watercolors make it pop mm-hmm. and then i and then um um how did you and um robert and your artist is robert uh, ahmad right correct okay so and he's the artist and also the colorist of the for the at least the first three issues so how did you team up with him so i i was in touch with this other artist who um he i said i just asked for his advice i think i met him at a con out here his actually this other artist's name is rob as well and he told me that he, based on the pitch of what I was talking about, that Rob Ahmad would be someone I should talk to. And Rob, uh, he just finished like an Action Lab comic, or or actually a Scout comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he said, you know what, well, you got to send me the pitch because I'm pretty busy and I got to really like it to commit. And he was all in when he saw what I had to offer. And and you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, we met, we started together before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, the pandemic, it maybe in some ways helped move us along because, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was all back and forth through, uh, email and instant message. I mean, mm-hmm. we did, weren't even a lot of like actual zoom meetings or anything. Just he'd send me things. I'd, you know, I'd give him notes, yeah. uh, copious notes and he was okay with it at all times. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then, you know, we went the final stage, DC Hopkins, our letterer. Yes. He was a pro, like he's done every like big publishing book you can think of. And he, he was actually very flexible too. Like he was really cool with like, if I, he'd have it lettered and you think, Oh, at that point it should be done, done. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were some times I realized, Oh, you know what? I we need to like kind of cut something here or change this to that. And, mm-hmm. and he was great about all of it. So it was a great team. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, um, the other thing I loved about, um, DC Hopkins lettering, especially in the first issue is, um, he distinguishes Andromeda's and his sis and this, and her sister when yes. they're talking to each other. And I love that. Yes. You know. That's, a, it's very important that that is distinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was something we talked a lot about. Okay. That is so cool. And then um, I'm, I'm just going to ask, I, um, do you want to give out a shout out to the other colorists? Oh, Gabby Metzler. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's in on, she did all of the, she, so Rob watercolored by hand for the first three issues. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And then he just had, he was very honest with me. And at first I was like kind of freaking out, but he was just like, I, I, I'm, I'm fried on doing the watercoloring. It's too much. And he recommended Gabby. He's like, I think she can make mimic what I'm doing digitally. And she did. And it was, it's great. So when the fourth issue comes out in July, uh, you won't miss a beat. Yeah. And then for listeners, you know, um, um, before, um, we started this, I told Adam that, you know, um, I love Rob's art style for this mini series. And, you know, as Adam mentioned, it has that, you know, that Saturday morning vibe to it. And, and I've already, you know, I've already mentioned, you know, we already talked about, it, but it also has a little bit of that, um, Thundar, the barbarian feel to it, a little bit futuristic, a little bit of fantasy, but it, it's just great. It just works great. Well, I, it means a lot to hear because you know it's it's that's exactly what I was going for, mm -hmm. and hear you say it just feels great. No, but, no, no, but yeah, like I said, and it it's just great, and the colors are great, and I love the story. And again, listeners, I me and Adam were talking some stuff, and I don't ah. want to spoil it for anyone. So if you guys, you know, and I'll rem I'll say this again at the end of the uh, interview that check this you know check this mini series out you guys have to um one more question about rob was was there an idea that you threw at rob and you know i i know he's you know he would come and he would do stuff yeah you know, he would you know, he would draw it show it back to you did he show you anything that literally blew your mind like oh my god you know i didn't this is so awesome you know yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, yes. In like issues three and four, okay. what he did was unbelievable. Like you'll see like kind of these other characters that come in and um, it, well, yes. And I, you'll, you'll see a, a giant character in particular that's going to come in. That's going to blow your mind. I mean, no, Rob, just like some of the splash pages that come in are, are just, astonishing mm -hmm. and you know he was very patient with me when i i kept telling him to go bigger go bigger go bigger and he did it and it was great okay that's so cool now um i'm gonna now this this question is and if you don't mind me asking this question so how did you get linked up with a with a cool publisher like source point press um so i i was like i wanted to get with them for a while Oh, okay. And I, um, I started going to cons. Well, I mean, I've always gone to cons. Mm -hmm. I went to like WonderCon uh, back in Anaheim, like before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to them at booths there. I went to LA Con, and you know, I just was, and you know, I had a, another pitch for them that I was hoping they were going to be interested in before I even came up with Corollary. And they were, you know, they were kind of interested. And then when this one. Uh, and I, the timing of just going in person to see them all, uh, and Josh Werner and, and Cameron Kyle that who, who were kind of the point people. Actually, I think it was Josh I met in person. Cam I didn't, but um, they were really receptive. Uh, and this was like luckily right before the pandemic, we're getting to meet someone in person worked out. Yeah, and that was it. And they just and then they were just very uh, when Rob like initially when Rob did those watercolors, he we were only thinking of doing it for like certain pages. Mm -hmm. to like convey some kind of different tone and emotion or something. But um, they were like, you know, this, this is so stunning. Why not the whole thing like this? And that was it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is really nice. Now, 
I'm going to ask, will we, now I know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, um, this is a, is it a four or five issue miniseries? I can't remember. It's four issues. Four, okay. Now, will we see more of Andromeda after this miniseries? Great question. And I hope so. I, I feel like the story has a satisfying ending. Mm-hmm. If you land, you feel like you got every, you know, you, everything's, every little loose end has been tied up. But it also, the last page leaves you with, oh my gosh, I want to see where this goes with these people. Okay. Or these beings. Mm -hmm. All right. So Adam, I'm going to start slowly wrapping things up. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because in one of your um, interviews I listened to, that you're, are you a toy collector? A little bit. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I have like I still have all my He-Man from my, my back in the day. I have like the Darth Vader case and some Star Wars there. Oh, yeah, uh, some action figures. Like I even have a few toys here and there where they are still in their original, uh, you know, packaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I don't know if I go as far as a collector, but yes, I do have some. Because I remember in one of the interviews, you mentioned that you had a Godzilla. Oh, yes. That, that I, you know, I, I got rid of that, or my mom, got, parents got rid of that when I was a kid. I had an original, yeah, he was like a big, he was like this big. Yeah. There's a lever on his back. And yes. Flame would come out. His arm would shoot, pop off. Yeah. Oh, I miss him. I, I had, a, I also had Rodan. Oh, wow. Big flapping wings, everything. So are, now this is an off-the-cuff question. So are you a Godzilla fan too? Big time. I love kaijus. Uh, I love that they're having kind of this renaissance. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I loved Godzilla as a kid. Loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, uh, every Saturday there was a, in where I lived, um, it was called Creature Double Feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd have like back-to-back Godzilla movies or maybe Ultraman would be another one. And um, mm-hmm. I couldn't get enough. No, I, mm-hmm. I love Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, King Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I mean, maybe I wasn't, you know, realizing now how much there is there of that stuff is out there. Maybe I didn't have, I'm not as big an expert as other people are. Cause it's, you know, it seems like it's, way bigger than i even realized but uh, yeah i love that stuff i mean i remember when he faced i don't even what do you call what is the robotic godzilla called oh the mecha godzilla mecha godzilla yeah uh i loved all of that you know and uh, the new movies i've seen them and they've been fun yes uh, I, I i like the old ones mm-hmm. maybe i'm just nostalgic but yeah the old ones just have a lot more they were a lot more playful yes yeah mm-hmm. okay so like, this is an off-the-cuff question if IDW should call you and go, hey, you know, we like, you know, we liked your the miniseries you did. We heard you're a big Godzilla fan. You got to do you have a story for them if they call you? One hundred percent. I would IDW. If you want me on on your on Godzilla, I am all yours. I have mm-hmm. ten story ideas off the top of my head and and a few written already. No, I yes. Nice, you're prepared. That's so I am prepared. Absolutely. I would love to work for IDW. They're great. Yeah, that is so cool. All right. Um, 
now I know you said you're not a real big toy collector. And I know you mentioned that you have some in the original packaging. What is your prized possession among them? Ooh. Um, Whether it's packaged or unpackaged. Right. Okay. Um, let me think about this. I, well, I have some action figures like Marvel action figures from like the late eighties that are still in there. I have a Punisher still in his box. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And you can even press the buttons on the back and small effects. Um, I have, Oh man. I, I, well, I have, I guess one thing that I, one collection I have, they are not boxed, but I have the original, all the mask. Remember the the, the different vehicles? Yes. I all my, yes, I have my. So I guess I am more of a toy collector than I'm saying. No, I no, just, yeah. I, yeah, so I have like all the masked toys, or most of them, and uh, they're like just in a closet somewhere. But they're they were all played with. No, oh, yeah, so, it's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I have those. I mean, I have some other. What else? I mean, gosh, I know. There's a couple other like packaged toys from, oh yes, yeah, so I have like an original like Batman from like the late 80s or whatever, yes. like still in the package. Sadly, I have a Joker one, but the packaging, the glue that like, came off the adhesive. So, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it just nothing I could do about that. Oh yeah. But, All right. So another off, off the cuff question, you have mask, the mask um, toy line. If someone, some publishing, let's say, source party press, let's say, say, hey, we're going to start doing some licensed properties. We pick up mask. You get a phone call from Josh Warner. Hey, Adam. <laughs> you know, I would, Adam. gosh, yes, I would love to write on a, a mask series. I, I, I played with those toys so much. I have storylines that I would pull from my childhood to do for that. It would be great. <sighs> it's so cool. That'd oh, be yeah. nice. All right. I'm going to, for, because every toy collector has this, has their white whale. What is your white whale? Well, I guess it would be what I did already have, but it just, you know, I didn't keep it uh, in good condition. And I, it was the original giant Millennium Falcon. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know where my wife would let me put it. But I love that thing. I played with that forever. I, I, dear, oh, I, I never had that. But yes, I've seen it, and yes. Oh my god, it was great. Yeah, you know the back came off, and you could have like Luke and Chewie hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the, the, it had like the landing like legs that would yes. pop up. Um, the cockpit, you could put Chewie and Han in there. Yeah. It was great. And it had the sound effect button. Mm-hmm. Oh. The secret compartment to smuggle things. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, if you ever run across one of the, well, of course, not there be those that will probably be very costly. Yeah. But you could tell your wife, well, this is for future research. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. In case, I, I have no idea who has the, um, well, I know Marvel has the main license, but I think they license it out to either 
was it Dark Horse IDW for it was game? Dark Horse. Yeah, now I think I think they have everything back now. Yeah. So, hey, this future research in case you know one of those companies call me, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what is the most? I think you probably answered this, but I'm going to answer the question. Ask you the question: What is the most fun or exciting thing that you love working in comics or writing? I know you said most of it was the creative. You know, you get to create your own. You have more control over your creativity. But is there anything else that you love about writing comics or writing yes. stories? Um, it's just it, comics is such, is such an original American art form. Mm-hmm. And it's like jazz, which I think they came up at the same time. And, and it has its own music to it. Like they're it just envisioning like, oh, you know, and then the reader flips the page. What are they going to see that's going to up the stakes even more? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like if you're in the, on the next page, how about like what kind you know, it feels like it's time. Like this is a moment that deserves a splash page and really needs to pop. So it's like you're building a theater on the page. You are building something three-dimensional, two-dimensionally. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is amazing about it. And as I've told like my students when I teach comic book courses, and especially to people that aren't familiar, and I really believe this, like I think the, the medium of comic books in the, in the world of all the things we have, that's the magic, magic exists in them because from the panel to panel in that gutter Mm -hmm. in the bleed our minds are able to fill in like two hundred thousand dollars worth of special effects from andromeda standing with her her right her laser gun in one panel and then in the next panel she has taken off with her jet pack Mm -hmm. and it's like looming over some like you know people that are trying to get at her you have filled in everything of her like igniting it flying like it's all it's all happened mm-hmm. and that's amazing to me so and i think i'm getting better and better at it and i think corollary is where i'm at my best mm-hmm. so far as far as is knowing what beats we are able to fill in mm-hmm. but also making sure i don't leave beats out mm-hmm. okay all right adam slowly wrapping this up um what was your favorite convention moment, whether either as a fan or as a creator? Okay, wow. Um, I think my favorite, well, the first time I went to uh, San Diego, um, when I was really just trying to like, I was there as a fan, but I was also there as a creator, just mm-hmm. trying to meet people and just realizing how, um incredibly generous of time and advice most of the comic book community is mm-hmm. people are really you know supportive of one another mm-hmm. and i mean yeah sure there are people like that are too busy to give you like a minute and i get it but for the most part like people were really generous with their time and were open to my questions and that was amazing and you know simultaneously that being my first time at the biggest con in the world Mm-hmm. just the scale and scope and just seeing like the, the fan base and how like the, the thought put into the costumes and the cosplay and some, some of the panels, it was amazing, you know, mm-hmm. just an amazing experience. 
Um, and then, but then, you know, going back, I guess my first one as a kid, just mm -hmm. feeling part of that. I mean, I guess it connects, but just feeling like, Oh, these are my people. Yeah. Like, you know, growing up, not, I, it was few and far between people that were into comics. Mm -hmm. I think that's changed now. Well, yes and no, it's changed. I feel like now, sure. Everybody's watching, but that's not the same. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think there are more out there, but you know, it just, it's, when you get that community, it's just, it, it, it feels safe. It feels uh, mm -hmm. welcoming. It feels supported. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Um, do you have um, any con appearance, upcoming con appearances or store signing appearances? I do. Yeah. No, thanks for asking. This, this Saturday, I'm really excited. If you are in Los Angeles, golden apple comics and this is kind of like a like a bucket list dream come true because when i first moved out here i went there all the time uh, ryan uh is the owner of the place um he, he's having me for free comic book day mm -hmm. i'm gonna be there um a friend of mine who owns like uh this the best soft serve ice cream cvt they're gonna be there um it's gonna be great and then i'm gonna be at the comic bug in culver city for the um release of issue two on may 18th mm -hmm. um and then I am hoping it's going to all work out, but I will be at Emerald Con in Seattle at the Source Point booth nice. in August. Oh, that's going to be nice. Yeah. I have to no, know because I've always heard about Emerald City. Yeah, I, I, I've never been to that one. I've heard it's amazing, so I'm mm -hmm. excited. And I love Seattle. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, sorry, off the cuff question. Um, um, have you been to Pike's Market? Oh, yeah. I've seen them throw the fish. My yes. wife is from Seattle, so I've been up a few times. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's and then, um, oh, oh, shoot. It, it just went out of my... The comic book shop up there. It, yeah. Like, so you've been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's great. It I is. I forget the name of it, but I've been there a few times. I know. I want to say, I want to say, yeah, it's golden. I want to say it's golden age comics, I think. I, but I, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. It really yes. is. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Um, have you and your family been to Hawaii? Only one. I've been once, uh, just my, my wife and I, uh, before the kids in Maui. Oh, and nice. it was amazing. Mm -hmm. We're dying to get back with the kids. Oh, okay. All right. And then the last question, any closing words to our listeners? Um, I appreciate you and getting to be on your show. This has been amazing. And I, you know, you're just, you're a thoughtful person with wonderful questions. And I, you know, just the kind of things you've said about my comic make it just, it feels like, you know, you, you get what I'm going for. And I really appreciate that. And other than that, no, just, I hope people are enjoying it. And, and I hope, you know, I know you always hear like people, it's easy to get people to read the first issue, but getting them to stick with it. And I hope people do, because there's a lot going on in this story. And May 18th is issue two. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's a month, it's monthly. So then, you know, June 20th ish. Yeah. Yes. And then July, and that's that'll be the series. Yeah. So, but you know, but you know, Adam, just thank you very much. Thank you for your time. You know, um, I wish you all the success with um with your mini series. Um, and right now my mind is going blank. I haven't been honest with the listeners. <laughs> um, um 
Oh, um, with your miniseries, um, um, with um, corollary. Corollary. I'm sorry. That's so corollary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I'll, and I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. All morning, I've been like practicing corollary. Corollary. It's so, hard. So. You. You've no, done no, but, great. But it's no. But it's a. But it's a very good title. You explain the title. It's because you know, like, I, it, it, it's a, it's a, how you explain the title. It has a meaning to it, you know. And that's you know, and that's the that's the thing I loved about, um, about the title. Just to see that there's a little bit more of a meaning to it. Yes. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah. I hope like every page has. And, you know, what you caught about her, what she says to herself, like the alone versus mm -hmm. alive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, I, you know, listeners, you know, I love the first issue. You know, it has a nice Saturday morning cartoon vibe to it. Um, you know, it, like I said, I just love it. If you guys get a chance, you know, pick up this series. Um Adam, I want to say mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview. Thank you very much. Anytime. Uh, thank you. Mahalo. And I also want to thank Rylan again. Rylan, thank you very much for recommending Comics for Fun and Profit um, to Adam. So, you know, just Rylan, thank you very much. And, um, and if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out uh, Corollary. It is a four-part miniseries from SourcePoint Press. Issue one is out in stores right now. Please, you know, pick it up. If it's not in your stores, ask your stores to order it. Um, I love it. Issue two comes out on May 18th. Issue three comes out on, on June 22nd. And, and issue number four comes out on July 20th. That's right. Very good. And I want to thank Drew, the host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Hey, guys. It's Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit. And it's time again to support Huracan. This is a fundraising comic convention for the Bethany Congressional Church of ETH Rockaway, New York, sent to us by our friend David Donovan, our friend of the show and patron David Donovan. And why should you support Huracan? And this year it's being called FurnaceCon as well for that Bethany Congressional Church of East Rockaway, New York. Well, let me tell you in his own words. Hurricane Sandy hit my hometown of East Rockaway, Long Island. Homes were flooded, trees were toppled, boats were thrown on the mainland, and many residents were forced from their homes and lost everything. The relief center after Hurricane Sandy was located at the Bethany Congressional Church of East Rockaway Gym for months. Neighbors affected by Hurricane Sandy came in and walked out with whatever they needed to get on with their lives. Hundreds of people came to the Bethany Church during the following months, and the gym floor took a beating. The gym floor has been redone and looks great, but we still had to pay for it. And that is what Huracan, a comic art convention, that is how Huracan, a comic art convention, was born. In addition to housing the Relief Center, Bethany has hosted Next Step Ministries at the church every summer since Hurricane Sandy. Next Step went into the surrounding community and performs repairs for free. 
So why support Bethany Church? The church has been part of the community since 1885. The church runs the Thriftique, which is a thrift store that sells clothing and household items at very reduced prices to many low-income families in the area uh, to come by and buy these items they could not afford somewhere else. Bethany also collects food for the Long Island Council of Churches Emergency Food Pantry and makes weekly contributions. Bethany Church is a member of the UCC and is an open and affirming congregation. That means that everyone is welcome to worship regardless of race, creed, religious affiliation, or sexual orientation. This winter, the church's furnace failed and had to be replaced. As you can imagine, this was a costly repair and Furnace Con came to be. What will you find at Furnace Con, furnace Con 2022? Comic books, of course, but also comic book writers and artists, toys, food, local artists, collectibles, cosplay, fellowship, and much, much more. We hope you consider supporting Fur FurnaceCon on June 4th, 2022, and Huracan on later this year on November 11th. So we have two cons this year. Um, if you're interested in supporting Bethany Church's, Church through their Venmo, you can do so at Bethany East Rock. It's Bethany hyphen East Rock, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, hyphen eastrock e-a-s-t-r-o-c-k and please include a note that your donation is toward the furnace um, if you have more information you can contact david donovan at huracon h-u-r-r-i-c-o-n at yahoo.com or give him a call 516-209-1587 so support her furnace con on june 4th and save the date for Huracan later this year, November 11th, all to support this church's efforts in their community.